0: Hi everybody, and welcome to Endless South Stats Trap, episode 3. I hope you're all well who's listening and watching along on catch-up as well. How are you, Tony? You're on mute, big, big chief. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties all <laughs> before we start. It's good to see Monty in with the support of the Stats Trap right away. Fuck's sake, man, you love it, Monty. Frank Kennedy, and again, Frank Kennedy, even the boys and girls, get to have his along. Can you hear me, Tony? Oh, he's he's dropped away from the, the stream, but he will come back into it. So basically what this show was all about was just looking at see primarily on the RB Leipzig game and Celtic game, the home, the home one where we lost 2-0, and the Hibs game as well, just to see where we're coming across in, in that type of sense. But Tony, you're back. How are you, man? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I don't know what
1: happened there. I've never pressed mute and i will speak to you before. <laughs> and um, it's just gremlins. I don't know what's happened
0: there. I think that was probably Malty. Malty's been in early trying to get us to stop talking about stats, you know what I mean? Type of fella that fella is, know what I mean? Yeah, but here, yeah. what 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 we'll do? I know like the games we're going to be speaking about primarily were a couple of weeks back, but again, there's a there's a process to this as kind of League non, League on, the stats and improvement and that type of thing from Celtic Football Club. But we'll kind of start with the, the Celtic home game against RB Leipzig. The game, probably Tony, that will have the win or at least get something from the keeper our Champions League hopes alive and even latter stages, even in the Europa League too, that looks very unlikely. But just as I usually do, what when, when I do my brief kind of analysis of my stats, which you get off generic websites, I'll just go with it here. Celtic had 16 shots, the RB Leipzig's 13. We had two on target to their five. 41% per session for us, 59 for them, 424 passes for Celtic, and 617 for RB Leipzig. And, as you can tell, they won the game 3-0. Now, before we even get into the stats, Tony, that game itself,
1: a bit disappointing. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, it sort of... Well, now it looks like it must. It was a must-win But going into the game, it wasn't a must-win because you were thinking, well, we just beat Shakhtar and we'll get third place. It was obviously the Real Madrid result that that threw us. Because if Real Madrid beat Shakhtar, then you're thinking, we just need to beat Shakhtar on Tuesday and we'll get third place. But the Real Madrid result, dropping points, and uh, Shakhtar picking up there, that was the bit that really done us. That was the other game. Um, So, yeah, me and my daughter were at the game. And... um, yeah, uh, you were hopeful again, but like like a little bit different to the other three games. Um and we'll we'll come into that a little bit, but similar to the other three games and the fact that um we performed well but we didn't get the outcome that that we probably thought we could have deserved. So you talked about the stats there for, for shots and things like that, and then the sort of main one that looks at performance, the XG it was m two for mm-hmm. Celtic one point six nine. For um, Leipzig, So are so you saying it was 2xd for
0: Celtic and 1.69 for them? Yeah. See, so yeah, that's baffling. You look at the Shakhtar game away and we all, we all kind of spoke about it came away from it saying that was possibly the game where we kind of not scuppered our chances, but it was a game we could have took full of advantage off and get the free points. And then, as you said, that coupled with the fact that we go into this home game full of contours if we get a result and that type of thing, and then Shakhtar get a, a result against Real Madrid, which probably no one expected. But let's kind of look at the attacking sense of things. And if we look at the lineup, our attacking players were Abada, Haksabalovitz, Mieta, and Kyogo. So they they started the game in terms of the, the lineup. Is there any stats for them at the at the moment in European football that can kind of even put an improvement side of things on it? Like a different kind of scale to they got
1: Yeah. Well, oh. so first I'll just talk about for me when you when you're in. Um, Europe, you we've got different types of wingers. We've got Abada, um, who will score goals for us, get any good positions, but not necessarily got the ability to dribble and, and take players on. Similarly, Maeda's not necessarily got that skill, but he's got the energy and he can maybe get any positions. Where you've got your Haksabanovic, your Yotas, maybe Forrest to a lesser extent that will be dribblers, and it's, it's how we mix them. So I think for for Europe, you probably need you probably go be a maximum of one. We went with two, Shakhtar, we had Jota mm. and Haksabanovic, and I, I was a bit surprised. So for Europe, I'd probably see a maximum of one, but for the league, I'd probably go a minimum of one. You could probably go with both for the league, And um, but you need a minimum of one. Um, but it was interesting, the, the, the two wingers we had that night were Abad and Meda, so you'll not even get your minimum of one there in Europe. Um uh, And... If, if you look at the three games that I bet Abada and Meeda have played as the, the the two wingers from the start, and um, one was Ross County, which we won in the cup, mm-hmm. so we won that game in the cup. The other was Saint Mirren. We'll not talk about that anymore. I'm not even wearing my grey shirt. Um, so <laughs> we'll really and then this was the other one. So um, Abada and Meeda as as the two wingers is probably not an ideal pairing. Um, yeah, just for, I'd say- just, for, just, for, just for that creativity, you know what I mean.
0: See as well, I mean, Monty comes in again with a, a comment, what was the XG of that, Nicholas? <laughs> but you, you look at it, and we talked about the attacking side of things with Celtic, and I mean, the clinical aspect in, now is probably... Monty, uh, we can,
1: I can give him the expected penalty for Celtic, and it was zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you, you look at it as well, interesting, by the way, about three penalties in two years or something, that's madness. But you, you look at it from an attacking sense in European football, and as I said, there are a the whole clinical arguments probably out the window because we've scored like 14 goals the last three games. So we've kind of come back into form that way in terms of scoring goals and taking opportunities. But seeing European football, what for you? I mean, stats can probably show, yeah, XG and expected assist and that type of thing. But what's the issue for, for taking chances at this level? Is it
1: just,
0: is, is it quality or? Well, yeah,
1: Matt, if you look at the stats, so, so the stats. If you look at post shot XG versus XG, so um, for the Madrid game we were at ninety-one percent, fifty-three percent for the Shakhtar game, hundred and thirteen percent for Leipzig away. So that that was okay, with, with, with sort of thirteen percent over, um, and eleven percent for the home game. So post shot XG was eleven percent of the XG. So, our post-shot XG was only 0. 0.22. So, post-shot XG and XG and comparing them and even just looking at them individually on a on a game-by-game basis is not ideal because it's just a small sample and it's meant to be done over a long yeah. time. But you can only go with what you've got. But that would tell you that that a finishing in Europe is obviously an issue because we're, we're, we're getting XG, we're creating chances, we're, we're, we're dominating the games it's, at, at times, um, but we're not finishing and the th- my only conclusion for that is that when you're when you're getting chances against your hibs even against rangers you've got confidence there you've done it before you've got confidence and you're going to you're going to put that ball away you've got confidence and you have also no got any fear of that if you miss that um, because you'll get another chance so yep. when you're getting a chance if, there's no fear there's confidence in you putting it away when you're in europe it's a different game. It's like, will I get another chance? There's a bit of fear there. You've not scored at the Champions League level, so you've not got the confidence. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I can think that it's... Um, the finishing um, is just needing a bit of luck to get the, to get that confidence, take away the fear. And if you just look at it, the post-shot XG, I mean, we've created an XG of two, but the post-shot XG is 0.22. So it's the finishing is basically let us down. That's the story of the game. But... To just make people aware here because myself a bit of what's
0: the difference between a post shop XG and XG?
1: So, the difference so XG, um, and every there's different models, there's Stats Bomb, there's Fort Mob, there's Y Scout, there's loads of different models, so everybody will do it differently. So, but they've done through hundreds of thousands of shots and an average position of where the shot some, some, um. Uh, providers will, will take different things into consideration about height of the ball, how many defenders, etc. etc. But to all intents and purposes, it's whereabouts is the shot from the angle from, do you know what I mean? And and um that, that's what one of the main ones. Um so a shot inside the box is, is obviously um going to have a better chance. So your XG is when that ball lands to to the forward what's mm-hmm. what's the probability of scoring so if there's an XG of 0.4. There's a 40% chance that they're going to score based on historical um, uh, research of all shots from that position. Post shot XG is after the shot's done. So when the, that player takes the shot, um, what's what's? So if, if that player takes a shot and it's a, a 0.8 post shot XG, then that's an 80% chance of going in. So what that does, that measures from a shot from that distance um, and at, at that angle. So basically, um, a, a shot with an XG of 0.4 and it's 40%, if that person shoots and it's off target, the post-shot XG is zero. because he, Right, yeah. So, that, and then, but if you, so like Jackie Marcus at the weekend, his header had a, a 0.018 XG, but I had a, a 0.8 post-shot XG because that chance when it came to him, it would say 18% of the time he would score. But after he's headed that, they would say 80% of the time that's going in. It's probably, rather than measuring finishing post-shot XG, it's probably better for measuring goalkeepers. So it's saying um, 80%, 80% of the time, Craig, Jordan's, Craig Gordon's not going to save that. And if you look at over a season, how how many does he save more than he should, if you know what I mean? So yeah. Probably better for measuring goalkeeper performance, but it's obviously if I've got it there, why not use it for for measuring um, forwards as well? And I think when you put it when it backs up that theory for Europe, as in um, we're we're not. And it was also a couple of league games just before that as well. Was the same that the post shot was underperforming the XG. It, it probably makes sense that um, some of these players at Champions League level for the first time and just not got that confidence yet. Yeah,
0: I think Patrick McLaughlin sums it up as well. I think we just snatched at the chances at the crucial point in European games. We are maybe just inexperienced at the high-pressure moments, which, again, could it's come into the factor. Right?
1: Yeah, his stats back that up, you know I
0: mean? And then, as well, if you were listening to the podcast on Friday, you mentioned Craig Gordon. Ross apparently thinks he's world-class. Absolutely mentally, in <laughs> say that. But in terms of, you look at the XG of the strikers and stuff like that, and Kyogo started against Leipzig. Do you think maybe there, there's a, a case to be made if Jacky Marcus started some of these European games, we could have taken advantage of the attacking moments.
1: So it's a difficult when I thought about this, and I, I, for me, I would have, I would have liked to have seen Jackie Marcus play um, a, a, a against Leipzig, but I can see um, the arguments for all the ones that would say um, that Kyogo should start because. I, th- I think for me when you're up against a better team um, Kyogo's movement is I, I, something that, that that could be valuable I think when you're in the league and you're up against a team that we're better than I think Jackie Marcus is has definitely got to be a shout there do you know what I mean but when it comes to Europe we're needing the chances has he got more confidence um, I, personally I would have went for I'll, I'll go for Jackie Marcus and I could, but I can equally see why people would say that's ridiculous because Kyogo's a far better player at that level, and it's the movement, and it's, mm-hmm. it's the whole game, and it's a game of chess, and Kyogo's movement, etc. The one thing I would have said though, when you when you you, you you marry that in with the fact that we had to play Abada and Meda, which is not great for being creative cre- cre- creative during the game, then yep. who's who, how how not play Abada or Meida? I pick one of them. Have Jackie Marcus in the middle. And play Kyogo wide left. Kyogo played wide left when he was in Japan for, for, for some games. He played wide left um at the start um, when Edward was just leaving. Um, yeah, we were complaining about that at Ibrox because we wanted him in the middle. Um, and I would have played him in the middle with Edward wide left. But he did set up playing wide left, he did set up a, a tapping for Edward that day. Wasn't it? Was Edward yeah. that missed it? Um and then I think it might, might have been the St Murm game after they played wide left as well. So he, Kyogo wide left, Jackie Marcus, and then either of or Meda. Um Some might ridicule that that, that suggestion, but I, I wouldn't have been adverse to that.
0: Well, see, to be fair, right? We'll get into We'll get into a wee rabbit hole here, Tony, because you've brought it up. And what, we we spoke about it as well, me, you and Stuart, actually in terms of where Kyogo and Jackie uh, Marcus filling with each other. It's a 2 prong one I'm going to come at you with. In terms of stats, maybe you haven't looked far into it, which is fair enough, but what you can see with a plain eye in terms of stats, I would say Yakima is starting games, scores more goals. There was a, a, a thing put out today saying, What was it, 24 stars, 21 goals, or something like that, and in and, and total, like it's 40 odd games, which is absolutely incredible return when you're starting in games. But coming at you as well, you said Kyogo played for um, Facel Kobe on the left in some games, which is 100% correct. We all seen it in the YouTube footage. And then when he came in, he was thrusted in that side of, again at, at Ibrox with Edward, who, who really checked out at that point, playing in a high-pressure environment. Do you think that is a viable option? And also, do you not know, think they're going to lose something if, if they do that, with it? if you're dropping the other benefits, who has moved into the 10 role obviously, but there, there could be some players unhappy with that. You, you could possibly sell anyway. Yeah, you know, there,
1: there could be some players unhappy, but I think at the moment... If you're if you're using that argument, Jackie Marcus has got every right to be unhappy. Um, mm. so like, I would rather Jackie Macus not unhappy than than someone else. And yeah, and I did actually look at him um, the, 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 the stats for like starting games. So for Kyoko, when games that he started, he started 31 games and scored 23 goals. So a goal seven point zero point seven four goals per game and Jackie Macus has started twenty one, scored twenty-one, so a goal per game but yeah. but, but what I, I thought was really interesting as well so out of the 31 games for Kyogo he scored in 16 because there's been some hat-tricks in there as well do you know what I mean yeah. um, so 52% of the games he started he scored so that's a that's a phenomenal record for Kyogo Jackie Marcus has scored in 15 out of the 21 um, games he started so 71% of the games that Jackie Marcus has started he scored the goal. That that is unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? That's just not like the total amount of goals. That's that's him scoring. When you start him, he'll score. Yeah. And it, but see the one of as
0: well on the left, right with Kyogo. What I, what I was trying to imply there is: Are you not losing a bit of him in, in terms of playing him on the left? In ter- the yes. defensive qualities of the post the likes and his wingers coming back and tracking. I can't really see Kyogo doing a Mieta type shift or even the other. So. Is that a valuable option for big games or is that one you would throw in for like
1: a, a cup, a game? Or... I, I think for me, if you're talking about everybody fit, then you're probably looking at, or I, and I'm talking about a Champions League game. If you're talking about a Champions League game, everybody fit, for me, then you're probably looking at Kyogo in the middle, Jota and Maeda as your two wingers because Jota's got that creativity that we talked about and maybe has got that work rate and that making something happen. So for your big games, I think that's your three. The reason that I said um, for, for the game, their Jota was out, and also um, we, we weren't playing Haksa Banovic on um, the wing, because we were using them as, as the number 10. So our wingers were Abada and um, Maeda. So I'm, what I'm saying is, in that instance, when you've got Abada and Maeda as your winger options, I think Jack and Marcus with Kyogo, and one of them would probably be in a better front three. Yeah, but it's interesting. That, but everybody fit when you've got Jota and the mix, Then it's it's a different argument then.
0: It's interesting. Uh, Russell Boyce comes in from his channel, the Boise Bus, and Jack and Marcus starts are more often paced out as the uh, as the opponent to a decent standard ten game streak, incredible seventy one percent. It is to be fair in terms of his record coming in, and I think. It, Again, it's it's one of these ones like Kyogo. I think we've all filmed up with Kyogo, haven't we, Tony? We've taken yeah. him into our hearts, and the same with Jack and Mackus, even though we had that shaky start of like the penalty miss it when we played Livingston in the last minute and stuff like that. So it's It's a difficult one to say who would be first choice. I think there's games, in my personal opinion, that suit them. So you could yeah. put a Kyogo in against a team who play a high line to get in behind, Jack and Magus against a team who sits back with, with strong central defenders and playing off him would you be would you be on lines as well
1: yeah i think i think you can look at as you say horses for courses and look at games that, that suit both and there could be an argument for pick, picking one over the other um and yeah probably the the european games would you would be i, I think if you looked at the league games you could probably say the go just ahead of jackie Magus. but um, I would say Jackie Marcus gives him a good run for his money. I think when it's European games, you just see that gap's just a little bit more and Kyogo's mm-hmm. more of the choice. Um, but again, it depends who's playing. I think that, uh, if you're missing something elsewhere, um, is, is there an option? Because sometimes, and, and and Andrew's flirted with it now and again during games, where he's played the two of them, he's played Kyogo just sort of behind them.
0: Yeah, he'd done that on the weekend, didn't he? I'm pretty yeah. sure. He yeah. brought go on and played him just in behind, it, didn't he? Jack and yeah.
1: um, the hips game was it a hips game for a, for a little spell?
0: Aye, ah, yeah, and uh, then he got injured, <laughs> so he did. Yeah. We said not really go well, but we'll kind of talk about the Champions League again here. And one player I do want to speak about is Matt O'Reilly, Tony. Totally. And the yeah. podcast before the RB Leipzig game at home, me and William were on, and we're basically not ridiculing him, but saying he's not a number six, he can't do that against a, a team like Legsuke. So You're on the in a flash, they can press you, they can do everything. But from the naked eye, I know I know you've got stars and stuff. I seen him get stuck in. He was making tackles. He was breaking up play. He was spreading the balls. Like one touch passing through through the midfield, which was fantastic. And you look you look at Cal McGregor, his influence in the team, which again is incredible. But in my, my my honest opinion, I thought he was not at his best, Cal McGregor, this season in certain games. And I think it's fair to say that. And the rest, sometimes although it's injury, could maybe do him the world of good coming back in fresh again. But what's Manoretti done for you? Because for me in that six role, I thought it would have been Moy. I think most of us would have thought it would have been Moy, but he's been pushed up, and I really think Manorelli's took took this game to another level, playing there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I defended Moy after the Saint Martin game just because of who he he, he sort of partnered in midfield, never the opportunity with who he did in the Hibs game. Do you know what I mean? But I probably wasn't necessarily a fan of Moy for the for the defensive role, given that my my concerns with McGregor there is just that defensive. Solidity, especially against better teams, do you know what I mean? Um, and um, I, I, I was really gobsmacked when we went with O'Reilly, Hatate, and Haksabanovic as a three in a European game because Haksabanovic is good going forward, but is he, is he, is he good enough defensively in a midfield three? I'm not sure. Um, and then O'Reilly in there that role, a bit of a novice, I thought it was a big risk, and I thought. Um, Abelgaard had to start, but I, I didn't yeah, think he would. We spoke they about not Do you know what I mean? They never got any minutes, but... I, I, and and the Abelgaard one's a, a, a mystery because any time I've seen... The little bits of clips I've seen him, um, he looks very much as the profile we got. The profile was he'll win headers, he'll win tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's right up there as, if, if not elite, but a very good defensive midfielder where he was maybe average or not the best was like passing and, and, and the progressive yeah. passes that McGregor and, and O'Reilly will do. But um I just thought and a game like if you look at people talk about defensive midfielders and we've got to go for it. Leipzig played two defensive midfielders. Do you know what I mean? They they played two. So I think mm-hmm. you've got to get it right at that level and I, I'm surprised that Albuquerque didn't get the start and um and people could say Andrew's proved right because O'Reilly did individually played really well, tackles, passes, mobility. Um, but individually, he might have he might have looked well, but we didn't win the game. So this yeah. um, So I um, I don't know um, I don't know, but yeah, individually O'Reilly looked to he looked to be to playing the role well. Is there any stats about that to back it up in terms of passing or anything at all? Um, so well, uh, let's see for that game. Um, it's hard. It's a hard one. The defensive midfielder. Um, uh, so, all oh, right. The defensive midfielder. Eighty-five percent pass rate for that game. In forty accurate passes. Um, it's a it's a hard one. W- w- how do you measure a defensive midfielder? Um, are you breaking up the play, tackles, and wins. Mm-hmm. And I, I think. It could look probably more into it, and, and uh, on his defense that night, tackles one three out of eight, recoveries seven, um duels 10 out of nineteen. So um probably because he won the tackles and, and the sliding tackles, they look better than than maybe um they are. But no, I, I, to be fair, I thought he played well, but um
0: the the, I, I the elbow guard one it's a strange one because when he come on. Away to Leipzig, he looked all right. Now, obviously, you can see the, the kind of the rustiness about him and not playing much competitive football since he'd Ruben Kazan, But he did the things that you expect a tall six foot four midfielder to do. He got his foot in the ball. He was hit winning the headers, and he came on. And when was it? He came on in the weekend, or I'm pretty sure it was. And he looked terrible. I, I don't know what's going on with him. He doesn't look quite up to speed. I, I, is it purely just fitness, Tony? Or is it just one of them things that maybe we'll just take
1: away? I don't know. It can't be that much fitness because he's, he's getting selected to come in. And um, he's been training now for a while. So it wasn't like he's been out injured. Do you know what I mean? He's, he, just, he never had a club. So, yeah, he'd be a bit getting up to speed. But it's a strange one because... I, if the reason that he's not getting picked is because he doesn't have that passing ability that Andrew likes for a number six and he hasn't progressed in the ball like numbers, well, that's in his profile. So why did we sign him? Yeah, exactly. And Billy comes in here, which is interesting, Tony.
0: And said he does not play with a defensive midfielder, but a deep lying playmaker. What's the difference? What difference is, apart from a complete lack of defensive awareness, I don't know. Again, yeah. Anne's did actually say that, so maybe already kind of fitting that profile. Like, we'll kind of move on to the defensive side of things in Europe, and that's another two goals conceded. Oh, sorry,
1: Tony just on, um, Stephen, just on the um, when you were at, I forgot about when you were asking about O'Reilly, um, and the uh, the Leipzig game, so here, um, 32. Um, successful pressures. It, it, 32 pressure, sorry. Um, so he had the most pressures. And he had 40 accurate pa- passes, which was more than McGregor and AboGard in the previous game combined. So there was some there were some stats. But yeah, the pressures um that O'Reilly I, I do I I put some tweets out about um pressures and the success of the pre- press, pressures um, and O'Reilly, O'Reilly came out um, as having the most.
0: Yeah, I mean that bodes well as well. I mean we spoke about pressures and things, and that kind of is what Costa Cordo is looking for, isn't it? That type of high temple pressing, pressing the opposition, and all that type of stuff. So O'Reilly must be fitting the bill in some sort of way there. I mean, yeah,
1: and yeah, since since McGregor's been injured, he's been in that position. And I put out before about the pressures. We we were in the, the, the top of the Champions League teams for final third pressures. Mm. And yet yeah, we were we were we were leading XG till fifty five minutes and then tailing off and you're wondering if the players were just tired. But it was interesting that our defensive pressures ramped up in the last game and the percentage um, across like the top third, middle third and defensive third changed and the um we weren't fully ball- fully on the the, the front third So it looks like there's been a tweak there, and also in the game we didn't die off in the 55th minute like we did in previous games. We kept the XG performance above Leipzig most of the game, apart from a couple of little spells. So there might have been might have been lessons learned there.
0: Yeah, and speaking about the defensive side of things here, Tony, as you said, there you've seen a wee bit of a tweak with O'Reilly playing up in session in terms of that area. He's covering in for McGregor. Another two goals conceded in European football. A couple of shaky performances. Not really much in terms of hefty defeats, but we're conceding goals instead of scoring them at, at that level. Is there anything concerning you from that in terms of
1: what you're saying defensively at the moment? No, I think... I think looking at the, um, the stats before the game, I've not looked at it since, but before the game, I think we were top, if not in the top three, but I think we were top in the Champions League for XG conceded from set plays. So we, we get a reputation of being a team that all concedes from set plays. So to have conceded the least um, XG from set plays in the Champions League of 32 teams is pretty good going. I think we've been a bit unlucky. Um, that unluckiness has come from a bit of not finishing our chances, which comes from a bit of nervousness, as some of listeners said earlier on. And I think I think you um, uh, also have to look into consideration as well that against Leipzig, we're missing Jota because you you can't ignore that 42% of our XG 42% of our chances in the first three games came from Jota's contribution so to lose that out of the team and and still have more XG than than your opponents a good team like Leipzig from a performance point of view you've got to be happy with that Um, we didn't die off in the 55th minute like we previously did you've got to be happy with that Really, for the likes of the game, we just ne- we never finished our chances. We had poor mm-hmm. post-shot XG, and I think that's a bit. And, and, and I think it makes common sense to think that's just people needing confidence at that level, maybe snatching at it.
0: Yeah, and Monty comes in here. I think it's a, a good question: Would any of you take Jens on a permanent signing, or can we do better? Tony, what's your opinion on him so far?
1: A lot of people have slated them. I've liked him from the start. Maybe, maybe he's not been put under pressure defensively. Um, and enough um and he's he's just maybe looked a, a luxury defender as such do you know what i mean mm-hmm. he's came in at time at tackles when it's it's been easy and um but um he was playing alongside Welsh for a little bit who's who's not our first team centre back do you know what mm-hmm. I mean I think he's better when he's in the thing side C C V. Um yeah I, I would sign him permanently because um he's young he's still going to improve um uh, he'll improve in the area, he, He's decent enough on the ball. He, he seems to have the good attitude. At he's, least he's bought into the into the club. So yeah, I, I would sign him. Um, and yeah. I, I think I think he'll also be content of being third choice centre back as well. Um, so I think to 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 get someone who's going to be content as well. Because if you do sign someone better, are they going to be content being third choice? Are they are going to be first two? Although Sorry, for me, for me, you you want yeah, ideally you'd want a left sided centre back who. Who like Guardiola from um, Leipzig, a left-sided centre oh, back, well, well, brilliant well. on the ball, brilliant on the ball, can help um, uh, help build up attacks, and and then you've got Starfelt and Jens as your third and fourth choice. Do you know what I mean? It's like so someone to be better than Starfelt, and maybe Jens will challenge Starfelt for that um, eventually. But um, yeah, yeah, ideally you want someone better. And Starfield and
0: James is your your top and fourth. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I like the look of Jens. I, I get 100 percent what you mean in, in the likes of the league games. He can look like he's this big imposing defender who can well time the tackles, win headers and stuff. But I thought he was excellent in that Leipzig game at home with Carter Vickers back in. They were throwing their bodies in front of t- the shots, tackling, last this defending, all that type of stuff. And by the way, we encourage all this at their accent because this is a learning process for us all, and this whole XG stuff and stats is very interesting. So get involved. And Tony, totally another one, the floazzy here. Strange love, doctor. I think the defense in Europe needs to push up and stay connected to the mid and attack. It's a space in there that opens when they step off the front foot, and that's been exploited. Now we spoke about this previously. There's see, in the RB game away, there was gaps all over the pitch, and you could see it from the the pictures that were going around social media. I'm with Avs of of the doctor in this one. I think to being successful in a, an environment like that, albeit it might not stop you conceding goals and, and conceding the chances to the opposition, but when you're tighter to your front third, middle third, and defensive quarter, you're going to concede less chances, and you're going to be more compact, and you can also press any unit, instead of having that disjointed type look about you. If O'Reilly presses, there's no one beside him. Atate triggers a press. Jack and Makis isn't running. So there's all different things you, you can be better, more compact. What do you think about that? Because I think that's a, a valuable point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was when I was highlighting about the, the pressures from that that um, a front third. It was leaving us exposed. And, and, there, um, I, and it's maybe understandable, and it, it's, it's probably the only time you've sort of heard Ange criticise the team recently was, I think it was this, he criticised the team after Leipzig when we scored the equaliser. He said that we dropped back um, and um, were pushed back. So it's pushing that line up so, yeah, no, definitely, I think um, we have got. We need to be braver when we're taking the shots to, to, to mm-hmm. finish our chances, but we need to be braver as well to just play a normal game. It's easy to be scared and just say we're playing against a good team here. They beat us the last game. Let's drop back a bit. But I think I think you need to be brave and push that line up. So you're asking your defenders and teammates to be brave as well as your forwards, you're asking the defenders to push up and trust the process. Mm-hmm. But I did notice when at the game, um, I've seen Jovanovic quite a lot of the times shouting across the line and sort of shouting, push up, do you know what I mean? And pushing mm-hmm. the back line up, which I thought was really good to see. Um, and it's obviously something they've, they've worked on. And, and it's good that if you've got a back four that that at times at times all of them have, have sort of really just um, done man-of-match performances. So, like, Ralston's came in, done man-of-match performances, Bernabez kept done it, and Jovanovic. Gray at uh, uh, Greg Taylor's um, done it all season. CCV, do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and even Jen's, because even at the weekend, uh, Bernabeu and, and Rouse I thought were struggling. Um, it might have just been with the formation, of the hearts with, with their wide players yeah. on etc. That I thought they were struggling. But I did tweet during the game. I, th- I thought Jen's was Jen's was one of the best, better players. Just uh, just before he gave away the penalty, but um, but um, but yeah. It, it's, it's it's good that they can all sort of work together and, and I think um, it'll, it'll be interesting though because against Shakhtar on Tuesday night, Shakhtar are a mm-hmm. team that, that, that um, won't attack us as much as, as Leipzig and they'll love that space in behind because that's what they play on. They play on that counter-attack. Um, yep, um, five shots against Leipzig and, and scored four goals. So um, will that worry us on, um, on Tuesday night? But yeah, no, I, th- I, think, um, I think you're bang on. I think. And I think the only way you can get better at that is just playing the games and just,
0: just learning from your mistakes. Yeah, 100%. The whole issue with me, and that, especially our away game, Tony, totally, we actually spoke about it previously before, the gaps were massive. And one pass that they were through and they were on top of is a monthly comes in here. I know we kind of went off in the thousand, but it's great anyway. Um, see when CCV start in the ends are all fit. Would that not give us the option to go three five two, 2, which will then play us? Kyogo and Z at the same time. Can you see that happening? I know before in Japan he did play a three five two formation with his previous team. I've seen clips of that and the same people actually said so. Could that be something he could experiment with or is it just strictly four three three?
1: I don't think so. I, I, I'm not saying he wouldn't rule it out in every I mean he done three five two versus St Johnston um in Boxing Day. Uh, to put 352, but I think that was just about squad availability rather than anything else. Um, but he done it that day, so I think it's something he could do, but he, the inverted fullbacks is, is a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. So do uh, you give that up you put them in wing backs, etc.? Um I can't I, it's working as well. So three five two might be something that maybe maybe in Europe if we're going to try and do something um different, but I think Ange's wanted to sticks to his guns. It's, it's going relatively well for him um, uh, so far. Europe performance has been okay. Results haven't, and domestically he's been brilliant. So I can't see him changing. Because um, the other thing about if you go three-five-two, and one of them gets injured, you've not really got exactly. You've, you've mm-hmm. not really got the cover there. Because I, I I don't think we are necessarily good. Great for cover just now. Um, at centre back when we're playing two centre backs. So if you go three, mm-hmm. you don't have the cover. One of him gets injured or, or, or suspended or something, then you'd have to change formation again. So personally I can't see it, but I wouldn't say 100 percent Um he wouldn't do it. But I think I think the the, the formation he has just now um is, is what he what he'll continue to go with.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think as well as you as you mentioned, the cover's a big issue there at centre back. If one of them get injured, like a like of CCV or Starfield, then you're kind of sniggered again. You're back to the four-three-three three anyway. So yeah. it's a bit counterproductive when you don't have the adequate resources to do it. I mean, you could possibly do it in a one-off league game or a cup game, which is fair enough. But I think going forward, it's going to be the 4 3, three. But they kind of round off the Champions League chat. Uh, Tony, Posta again, gets his usual shitty questions from the media, basically saying we're selling I belong at this level, all that type of stuff. And as usual, the big man comes out swinging. He says, we've we've been competitive in other games, and also not to throw us in the same bracket, kind of paraphrase a bit, the same bracket as the other two teams involved in European football from the Scottish Premiership. In terms of stats, Tony, attacking ways, overall, defensive covers, whatever it may be, does does it show we're competing very well? Yeah,
1: I mean, say on the, the XG, um, then against them to get home, we the XG um, difference was 0.31 in our favour um, against Shakhtar. It was 1.1 in our favour, so we all agree we should have we should have won that. Yep. And then we were, we were 0.57 um, uh, deficit to Real Madrid and 1.33 to Leipzig, but both of them were um, game state ones as well. So basically, they we against Real Madrid and against Leipzig away. We were leading the next year to fifty-five minutes, and then we tailed off um, in the end. So, if we take our chances in the first five minute fifty-five minutes, it could be a different game against them because um, it's it's them chasing. So we're not chasing as much. We're not as tired. Um, things could change. They could still win, but um, for fifty-five minutes, we were the better team against Leipzig away and Real Madrid at home, and we were the better team against Shakhtar and a better team like to at home if you're looking at HD, So that that's that's pretty good going for um, someone who's not going to be pragmatic and just trying to win that short-term game. Someone who's looking mm-hmm. at the longer picture and saying, I'm going to come into this and play the way that we want to play all the time. Um, so yeah, you could maybe get better results if you've been pragmatic in short-term, but that's not going to do as uh, good for the long-term. So I'm just coming in long-term. We're going to play the way we want to play all the time. We're going to come in we're going to learn. Um, so with that in mind, and the performances so far, um, then I think I think we've got to be relatively happy. I mean, as fans, the start of the season, we were all like, "Yeah, and stick by your principles." Yeah, and that's going to that's going to be hard in Champions League. Yeah, and we're probably going to get beat in Champions League. So everybody came with that. And then as soon as we get beat, everybody's like, "Oh, this, yeah, this is this is not good enough." I mean, against Real Madrid. Um, we could beat 3-0 and everybody was in great performance then when we could beat 3-1 by Leipzig in Leipzig everybody was like disaster and I'm like well if you looked at probabilities before the game the betting probabilities, the the prices were the same for Real Madrid to win at Celtic Park as it was Leipzig at home so it's the same probabilities although a better team but one was at home so 3-1 away to Leipzig isn't anywhere near as bad as 3-0 at home Real Madrid, everybody thought Real Madrid was great and Leipzig was terrible Mm. So I think we underestimated Leipzig and again probably because of the Shakhtar result, Shakhtar beating Leipzig 4-1, everybody thought Leipzig um, weren't as good as they were but I I had reservations going at Leipzig they're a very good team um, and they're they're going to get better this year Um, and and I think we can't feel disgraced that that, that a good team like that has beat us and we, we did push them quite far I think most
0: of that reaction was, was due to the results in the previous year against another club across the city. People <laughs> were kind of reacting that. Obviously, they've changed their coats and different philosophies and processes, as we are in, in one ourselves. And Frank Brennan comes in here. Frank Brennan's usually the guy who comes in with a bit of I wouldn't say controversy, but he, he tries to speak his mind. The one and only biggest problem for us against Shakhtar Tuesday is it'll be a case, yet again of us being completely dead on our feet after sixty minutes and still expecting to win. Now you touched upon the the kind of tweak that happened when already fitted into that number six role, and there was more kind of defensive uh, cover and more pressures in that area. Do you think that's the reason, possibly, why we didn't kind of tail off after the the fiftieth or sixtieth minute in the home leg against them?
1: Um, no, I, I think I think it may have been to do with the pressures. So, um, if you if you looked at the, I've got the pressures up here. Um, uh, where was that? Shakhtar game, Leipzig game. So if you look at the pressures um, against Real Madrid at home, 41% of our pressures were in the final third. Against Shakhtar away, 41% of our pressures were in the final third. Against Leipzig away, 42% of our pressures were in the final third. And Leipzig at home, that reduced to 30 So we're not pressing in much in that final third. And, th- and if you look at the, the Leipzig at home game, we didn't tail off in the XG um, in the fifty five minutes like we did in the previous two. But is that is that a case of an even spread across the team? So you're
0: laughing at Malte's comment. <laughs> is, is that a is that a case of, of an even spread? So effectively, let's look at it from this angle. We all know the front free like the press, whether it's Meta, Jada, Yakamaga, or Koo who's running there. The press from the front, the front food. But now, is it a tweaking system, or is it because O'Reilly? is playing in there and they're the number six and they're not trying to overexpose them if they break the press and they're kind of being more compact in that sense and pressing from the middle third instead of the front third.
1: Possibly I think actually maybe the reverse of that. I, I think then um if well maybe more so in, 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 in the league games where we might get better. So I think from a number ten position I think Hatati will be a better presser than O'Reilly. And that might suit us better. So the, the last well, last three games, um, the, the, the last three games um, we have, um, when we played Moy in there, Hatati's been the, the one that does the most pressing out of the three midfielders. And I think he's more equipped to do that pressing and get back in and help after he's done the pressing. So I, th- I think that'll help us.
0: But what what I'm saying is right. So, you said that the first couple of games, forty-one percent, forty-one percent, forty-two percent, and then a massive drop to thirty percent with the, the the defensive area making more pressures. Is that a is that a game management sort of thing that Arms has done I, there, I, or is I, that just?
1: I, I think that I don't know. I mean, you can maybe look at the players. I could I, I could maybe go away and have a look at what the players' difference was because I've got the pressures and 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 uh, put them up. But I think that's probably more a management tweak. Rather than yeah. any individual players. See, that's interesting.
0: That means he, he, he is capable of a plan B. The way people say he, he's not in terms of tailing off his plan A. I know it's always do plan A better and things like that. But yeah, I mean, if you're tweaking that and you can see the difference, and the team didn't tail off, maybe that's the way to go in Europe. Would you not? Would you not say so to yourself, Tony?
1: Yeah, I'll have a wee look at that pressures from individual players differences with that two game to that game. I think Maeda won the most pressures. Um, and I don't know if it's maybe that combination of Maeda and Abada that I didn't like because of a lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that helps pressures. But in saying that, Abada's the worst performer for pressures. So I noticed that Abada, Abada um, in, the, in the four games, Abada's had 11 pressures, which is the lowest. Um, pressures per 90 is the lowest of any of, any of the forwards. The jota is next at 13. However, Abada has got 0% wins out of the pressures. That's so, interesting. So um that was quite interesting to, to note that. Um
0: in terms I'll of have, pressures as well, t- Tony, like in, in the broad sense, that means pressing, doesn't it? Basically pressing the opposition.
1: Yeah, so so you have pressures and successful pressures, so pressures is Pressing opposition and then successful ones is regaining the ball basically. And um, there'll be different providers have different measures for it, but um, the one I use is like FB Ref. It's, it's really good. I'd love to see it for the league. The league you need to look at the mm. sort of Y Scout ones, but um, for the Champions League, um, it, it's useful. And I put out a, a, a retweet or well on my page, CelticTrends.com, and I'll share it after the, the show. Um, yep. the, the one I did for the four games, but that's just the four games in total, so I'll look at maybe the differences um, for to see if there is anything there, but my gut feeling is it's a management tweak just because it's like as a team, and even just at the game yeah. seeing, seeing Juranovic pushing them up, and I think it's just um, a, a better structured performance, and also just the, the previous game in Leipzig uh, and say, psychologically the team just looked as if but they got the equaliser and they stepped back and it was just a bit of sort of trying to protect what they had rather than just being confident to follow the process.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? The battle one's very interesting to be for Tony. I mean he scores goals for fun sometimes, but in other areas he kinda he dips off. I mean dribbles as well. I don't think he really beats a man and 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 assist and goals. Yeah, he's great at, but as you said, pressures to be winning zero percent or what, what if that's what you said there, I mean that's
1: that's incredible. That that needs to improve him, <laughs> that Thing you' like and it's interesting because sometimes you look at stats and you go, yeah, that backs up what I thought. Do you know what I mean? But other times I was like, oh, I wouldn't have jumped out. Uh, yeah, you. Mm-hmm. If you see a bada low on dribble success rate, you would you would get that because that's what you expect. But I didn't expect that. You expect high from Maeda, but you don't necessarily expect low from a bada. But that was interesting yeah. when it came out. So. um uh, is one that I'll keep an eye on, do you know what I mean? Like, the visually, it's good when you see something in the stats to say, the stats can, stats can be misleading as well, because, they both, oh, they, they, it's the context as well, you need to, you need to have your eye, you need, you need to have the outcome, you need to, so like for goals, you need the XG as the status binding, you need the actual goals as the outcome, and then you need, you need your eye and your visual, you need three of them to get that, 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 Quality sort of observation. So, but I think I'll have a wee look at how bad he's playing just to see how he's pressing. <laughs> but we'll
0: round off that challenge, that was great, Tony. And we'll move on to the, the Celtic and Hibs game uh, shortly after that RB Leipzig game. Now, this is the, the game that's kind of kicked off this kind of go run of form for Celtic. 14 goals in three games, I believe. I uh, 6 4 and 4. So, that's, that's a cracking return in terms of a team who couldn't take their chances in previous games. But we'll just get stuck into it. There was a lot of rotation in that there. I mean, Moy came in, uh, Forrest came in, Hacks of Benefits was playing as well. Uh, Burnaby came in, Ralston, and types of players. In terms of the rotation itself, now, Hibs are coming in. Lee Johnson is very big on stats. I know that for a fact because I used to follow him at uh, Bristol because I kind of like his management style and stuff. He's kind of he's tailed off at Hibs. I don't know what's going on, but he's, he's definitely a stat man. But looking at that game, I mean, twenty shots for us, nine shots for them. Nine shots on target. They we'll must get six goals. They get uh, five shots on targets for one goal. Fifty-eight percent possession, forty-two percent for them. Five hundred twenty-one passes, three hundred eighty-three for Hibs. Absolute domination, Tony.
1: Yeah. Um, so, if you if you look at the XG, um, we're two point seven four versus zero point four four so 2.3 of an XG difference. However, that was less than the mother rule, which was 3.11. People might be gobsmacked to hear because they'll say it on uh, domination. So I think um, there's two things about that. One is obviously they just starts; They don't tell the, the, the full story. The second thing is game state as well. So if Celtic score, um, Hibs have to come out, score early, and, and different styles you're up against as well, um, so Hibbs might be looking a bit more longer term and saying quite happy to keep the same style and a bit risk against Celtic, but Motherwell might look at it as he has a chance to to um, close up or, or or do a different style. Um, yeah, so f- so for stats, it, it, it looked like um, yeah a, a, a good performance, but not necessarily any better on expected chances versus versus um, other teams we faced. The big one that jumped out though was. Um, Uh, The post-shot versus XG that we talked about earlier where where we underperformed that, it was only 18%. So the post-shot was 67% more than XG. So it looks like we've got our finishing boots on for this game. (laughs) Um, As as many uh, look at stats, we might call it mean reversion or or other words. um, I'm not necessarily a a buyer into that, but um, uh, yeah, we we seem to... um, we seem to have a, a good post shot XG and good finishing on the day. And Balman in particular. Okay. I, I, th- I think um, I think we we had um, a good team selection. So people said that the Saint Martin game that we um, we should we made too many changes. And I said that day, and I said on on here that I wasn't against six changes. It was more what was the team selection. It wasn't about the six changes. It was who did we select? What was the combination? So Abada, Maeda, um, Moy playing alongside McGregor. Do you know what I mean? McGregor's getting older and Moy's in there. So I think the selection was, was good. So we'll bring in two fresh fullbacks who you get uh, impressed. Ralston, Bernabé can offer something. We we got the, the balance right with Moy. So um, O'Reilly's been uh, obviously trialled at that um, number six role. But getting Moy and his ability to influence the game and and, and the, his creativity getting him on the ball, but Hatate um, doing the 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 <laughs> um, doing the, that 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 sort of um, pressure roll out the, the, the attack the midfield three the more attacking side of it, um, and allows Moy to be the creativity. bit so it was a different dynamic. But what I noticed in that was I noticed from about I think it was the Rangers game or maybe the game before, but um, or maybe the Rangers game that they were more a four two three one. Hatati and McGregor were pretty much similar position-wise. And then I've noticed from the Hibs game, it has been more the 4-3-3, where Hatati and Moy have been similar. So the, um, it's more a 4-3-3. It's just a small, small tweak. So I think the midfield was right. But then you go back to the wingers, what we talked about before. So then you've got Haxabanovich, who has um, he's 0.98 expected assists per ninety, which is just phenomenal. Um, so he's been a creative spark. Then you've got Forrest, who... I I'd put in my my comments about the Leipzig game that he mm-hmm. that he was the the, the player um, worth noting from the Leipzig game only his starts from the Leipzig game, and um, so I, th- I think from what did I put the, the Leipzig game I put in uh, player watch Forrest had fourteen accurate passes, 0.31 x eight and sixty percent successful pressure. So you don't you don't see um, Forrest as a a player that um, pressures, but he had sixty sp- percent. And that was in that that was 0.31 XA was coming on as a, a as a sub. So I think Forrest's inclusion was was a good one. Um and Haxabanovic, you've got the creativity, and obviously we talked about Jack and Marcus before. So I think against Hibs, yeah, um, make the changes, but it's the team selection, and the team selection I think was bang on against Hibbs.
0: Yeah, and we'll speak about one man in particular like you us mentioned
1: their player what's
0: James Forrest, who came in and the RB Leipzig game is a sub and then started uh, the game against Hibs and scored a hat-trick, finally over 100 goals now. For Selby, absolutely club legend, in my opinion. I know, I know that, well, that word's banded around a lot, but he is a club legend for what he's done, what he's achieved. Even his assist, I think he's on 98, Tony, which is fantastic. But you mentioned stats there and the RB Leipzig game. Coming into the Hibs game, did you expect him to start? For me, That when I seen him on the team sheet, and I know someone corrected me in my podcast. I thought I predicted me would start, but apparently I said Forrest. But yeah, even at that, I was still effectively like Forrest. A wee bit like, nah, because I think me personally, when I've seen him, he hasn't been his best. He looks a bit slow. But for me, I'll be honest, a little bit of humble pie. He looked quick. He looked dynamic. Even when he came on against RB Leipzig, he was taking their full back on as well. So what what's the, the stats and stuff said about him at this moment in time?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. He's, he's, um, he's, he, even like last year when he wasn't at his, at his best and he came in the little cameo roles he was playing, his stats were still good. Do you know what I mean? So um, if you look at um, the stats for the season, his XG per 90 is 0.82. Just, is so this nice. this season? This season, yeah, 0.82, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's, it's per 90. Um, and 1.19 post-shot XG per game. Um, And then for um, XA, just 0.15, so a a little bit less on creativity. But he's he's scoring, but again, just getting into the positions. The one thing before us is that he scored goals over the years and he probably just maybe take them for granted. Um, So I think his team selection was good against Hibs. Um, and and it was uh, it was wondering how Angie was going to play it. Like right, so who's he going to play then? Motherwell then Hearts because I thought I thought right, if you're changing the full-backs I thought it was a bit of a surprise that that he brought yeah. in Bernard and for the Hearts game. Um, but I think it would be Juranovic and um, Taylor for for Leipzig. So it sort of makes sense the way it was going. But that maybe underestimated Hearts a little bit. I think. Um, hmm. But um, yeah, no, I think Forrest deserved his chance. And when he wasn't playing against Motherboard, people were like, "Oh, you play him two games in a row." I thought he would be playing and um, Saturday, but uh, I don't think he'll play on Tuesday. Um, I think, um, but he'll be used to come on. I think um, Tuesday it will be um, Maeda and Haksabanovic will be the will be the two wide ones. They said, Jo, I, 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 don't think Jot will be fit." I've seen in, in Leipzig, I watched Jot at the end of the game and he, he held his hamstring, and I put, I tweeted this. He held his hamstring and I thought, rest him against Johnston. I imagine he'll be rested. I couldn't believe when I see him play, he'd get taken off at half-time. I, I, I've not seen anything where it says what his injury is, but yeah. um, um, I, I, I'd be surprised to see Jot on Tuesday. bit disappointed
0: that actually happened. And, and Soix, I hope it's Soix, I'm saying that right, I was just trying to bring Celtic into the 21st century. About time we focused on pure football and just get better at it and it'll benefit us from years to come. Obviously, in terms of that, you look at that going Patience from the football supporters, like you said, Tony, we went into this Champions League campaign, probably expecting a few defeats, but when you when you first face that, you're like, come on, what, what's going on here? And you kind of give a knee-jerk reaction, like I do all the time. But on that point, it kind of brings me to the next one. Playing this pure football system with no kind of type of alteration, I know sometimes you bring on Nakamakis for a long ball and things like that. Do you think that's the right way? I know he's, he's aligned the B team with the... With Celtic's first team and Michael Ross, this is kind of add this in. Is Father is the fat, Rock Rocko Father the player to leave before he gets first team football? I hope not. But do you think the pathway is there at the moment, this moment in time, by Lance is still here?
1: I don't think so. No, I don't think the pathway no. is there. I think, um, so if we if you're 5 1 up against Hibs, surely that's a time to bring on a youth player. You yeah, bring on a youth know. player, it's a, whether it's um, a it's Kenny up front, or it's Scott Robertson in midfield, or it's Boston Lowell. When you when you bring a player on in that, the the um, it makes it, it's an easy opportunity. The fans are forgiven even if they make a mistake. Um, if they come on, score a goal, or do something well, they build confidence. You can bring them in, you build them up. But again, you've got to give McCarthy etc. minutes to keep them happy because you're going to need them. But yep. where's, the, where's the pathway for the young kids? I, you need to bring the young kids in because if you bring the young kids in, some of them can blossom like Tierney did um, and some of them will blossom and you could either make money from them or be better players. You need to have a pathway and, and we've got a pathway um, opportunity in, in the league where if we're beating teams comfortably, um, we can take that risk. Because when we played um, the youngsters when with we, we, the Dubai um, uh, uh debacle. Um, we played the youngsters, and people say, "Oh, no wonder the youngsters didn't get a game because they have came in and they've done nothing." But you can't bring a youngster in and play them alongside ten other youngsters. You know what I mean? You've, yeah, got to You've got to bring a youngster in and play them alongside ten other great players who are all playing at the peak. And that's when they'll they'll, they'll learn and they'll, they'll shine. And you give them you give them a bit of confidence. So um yeah, I, I'm a bit worried that there's nothing coming through from the B team, and and if the not B team's not good enough, fair enough. But then we need to go out and sign someone who is better than the B team at that young age so that they can be in the pathway. But would we would, would, would do that and would we give them the, the, the opportunities? I'm not I'm not convinced we would. And it's about playing people at the right team because we talked about the team selection against Hibs being right. And I mentioned that um, after the St. game when everybody was on Moyes back, I said that um, um, he was playing alongside Turnbull most of the time and Turnbull's not necessarily the great season, but the two players that are dynamic and been brilliant for us in midfield are Hatati and O'Reilly, and Moy never got that opportunity to play alongside them. He plays his first game alongside them um, eh, against Hibs, and he, 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 he gets two assists, he gets XA, and he's, he's assists per 90, I think, is the, the, um, the top in, in, the, in the league now, Moy, and he's XA per 90. Stops. Do you know what I mean? So, um,
0: so he's been coming in and creating chances, do you know what I mean? So, I mean, you said stats are misleading. We'll keep it at that one for a <laughs> But, like, Monty comes in here as well. Rocco father seems to be linked with top clubs in Europe. So look at uh, Ben Doak, who went to the Liverpool Liverpool uh, under-23 squad, and he's ripping up trees in the, the Youth Champions League as well. But, Tony, that's a debate to, to have for another day in terms of the pathway, which I very much look forward to as well. But you mentioned a player in that Hibs game, Haxibanovic, Now, I've said in in, in the podcast previously, he reminds me of a a Chris Commons-type player, the way he can take the ball uh, both-footed, can ping passes, can score goals, can take players on, albeit obviously he's a better version of Chris Commons, in my opinion. When he gets them goals in in this game, he will be flying. I think he'll take his game to another level. But have you been impressed by Haxabonovic's impact, especially since Jada is out injured, as you said there, and he's kind of come in he's not seamlessly took over. He has a different dynamic than other, But he's offering us something different.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like him. When I first seen him as a winger, I was a bit like, he's got ability. But I don't. I wasn't sure about his pace. So I was thinking, yeah, he could do a job in Scotland. But in Europe, I'm not sure. Because I, I, I don't think he's necessarily slow. But he's not got that blistering pace that you would need at that level. When I seen him in the number 10 role against Johnson, I thought he was man of the match that day and he played well yep. and I thought that that could have been his position um, but against Hibs it was brilliant um, and um, yeah, I think um, he, he's, he's got a role to play as a wide player or a number 10. Um, his he, he stats for goal scoring is pretty low. It was 0.08 for XG so he's, he's not really... Um, I think that will get better but his stats for transcreation is point, 0.98 <laughs> 0.98 and um, and I totally agree with that. By the way, Gio Musti, zero <laughs> um, eh, point nine eight um, eh, x a per ninety is is phenomenal for yep. Um So yeah, no, I, he, he's been really good. For me, anyway, I think he's one of them
0: players that like he's a bit arrogant, but not in a bad way. Dude, he has confidence in his ability. I mean, he has a thing tattooed on his with his, his name on the so, he has a bit about him like. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing him with them partnerships. And I know as well Burnaby came in and Hacks of Benefits has had to adapt to two different left-backs in a short period of time. He seems to have done that very well. And just to kind of touch on Burnaby, I told you before we kind of tail off here. For me, he looked really impressive. Leaving the game aside yesterday, which the podcast will touch upon tomorrow, but he looked really impressive in the, in the game he played against Hibbs. He was quick. He was linking up play. He was taking players on. He was... Getting involved with the assist and getting involved with the creative side of things, the team as well. Do you think now it's his time to kind of take that opportunity and challenge Greg Taylor after a difficult start, by the way, for Burnaby, which we kind of all know about now. But he's kind of come back into things and seems to has trust in him. He seems like a good player for really quick as well, and explosive.
1: Yeah, I think he's got all the abilities. He's just obviously raw and and not got that consistency just now. Yeah, yesterday was wasn't the greatest, but he had a really good game against Hibs. And he played well against Johnston as well. Uh, and he's got all the attributes. He's got speed. He's got dribbling ability. He's got great crossing ability. He's got um, uh, tackling as well. Do you know what I mean? Aggressiveness. <laughs> so he's got everything, maybe just that consistency and positional sense, etc. But it's interesting because Staffelt never scored for about a year and a bit for us. Jens comes in when was out and scores two goals. And then Staffield comes back and scores two goals. Then Bernabe starts playing really well in two games. Greg Taylor comes off the bench and scores a goal. So it's like it like that like there's, there's your perfect uh, uh, evidence of when um, competition makes players better. Is
0: there any, anything for his assist at the moment for Celtic? I know he's got a couple. Is, is it looking impressive from, from what you can tell?
1: Um, Bernabe, so um, against St. John's was 0.45 xA um, and Against him, it was 0.09. point zero nine, but um, but yeah, there would be dribbles and 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 um, uh, different different things in there carries, progressive carries, etc. So, um, yeah, no, I think um, I think he's got something to offer. Heath, Taylor would still be that first choice at the moment, mm-hmm. but um, you, you never know a year down the line once is developed because I think. Taylor's a better player than 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 Burnaby just now, but I think Burnaby's got a higher ceiling because of Taylor's lack of pace and maybe physicality would stop him just from, from progressing that much. Um, he, yeah. he has progressed year on year, Taylor, and he's, he's definitely somebody that learns well. But Burnaby's probably got that that higher ceiling.
0: I mean, it's uh, uh, Taylor for me for them players that I didn't really fancy in terms of quality, but I have to admit, Tony. If I may be my words, I think the wee fellow is fantastic, and he, he gives 110%. And I know I know what you're saying there rightly in terms of his pace and his attributes that might kind of tamper him for going by the highest level, which is fair enough. And it was quite interesting when we first signed Burnaby from uh, Lanús in Argentina. He was very close to getting into the national team, from one of them, I believe, in terms of the left-back position, maybe getting a couple of caps here and there. And to have that player on the books can only really go well if you improve him. And as you said, Seidel here, and just to kind of round off, Every parent at Sally Football Club that we're signing, do you think there is a signing for them at, at this club? And do you think it's like all about the sell on value? Yeah,
1: I think I, I, it depends because we're, we're, what I like about the team just now is over the years we had Tierney was the best player, and it was like when we're going to sell him. We knew we knew as a club we sort of accept you have to sell him, and it was like more about when. Same with Edward, then don't sell him before the, before the ten, but then. That was a season too late, etc. You could argue we've got some sort of top players um, there, like Jota um, and Juranovic has been um, uh, touted as moves and Kyogo, etc. But I think the good thing about um, the team now is we could sell a player for a big value, and actually the team's not going to be as badly affected. We're not reliant on one player as we have been previously, and I think yeah. that's a good thing. And I think also from Angie's point of view, if they want to go, you go.
0: 100%. 100%. agree with you. What a way to finish, Tony. If you don't want to be there, don't be there, as yeah. Possible Cody would say. But to kind of round it off, touch upon our show sponsors, Beer 52. You can see above me, get involved in that. Beer 52 forward uh, slash Celts. Get your free case of beer. Cover the postage. Subscription basis every month after that. Cancel anytime. Nobody involved. And the Super Six, Tony, which Francis, for the life of me, seems to be still top off in terms of our leaderboard. But hopefully that changes over the end of this weekend and then the well, Monday mostly- when we get it.
1: What's the expected stats of him, man?
0: I hope I hope there's none. None. Not a chance. Sean Ross, he's in here, Watson. He was challenging, but he's tailed off now. We need him back. But we'll get an updated version of that table for Monday's podcast tomorrow. And then we'll be back, Tony, but hopefully Stuart back again in a couple of weeks' time to review yeah. some games, buddy. Have, have you enjoyed
1: this one? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's always
0: good to talk things Celtic. 100%. And in the meantime, till tomorrow evening, stay well and keep safe. He'll help. There we go.